31. If you'd stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God this morning, beginning in verse 31, and we'll read on through verse 34. The Bible says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is given at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. You may be seated. If you notice in these passages, three times the phrase for us is listed. And it said, if God be for us, who can be against us? So God is for us. <laughs> and, and you look at the next passage, and you see here he said uh, that he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us. God delivered his son for us. He not only is for us, he delivered his son for us. And then the fact that he delivered his son for us, the other thing that he's done for us is that his son now makes intercession for us. And so there's three things that God has done for us in these three passages or these four passages, and I just want you to see it. And you know, I, I thought about when someone goes out of their way to do something for us, it often leads to a spirit of thankfulness or gratefulness. I would think so anyway. And I've had people do things for me in my life, and I, I don't even know why uh, they would choose to do so, but it, it just creates a spirit in my heart and just a gratefulness and a thankfulness for things that folks do. And, uh, boy, we need that more in our country and our nation and, and amongst people. And, and I just think about how important that is. I want to read two verses to you, and I want to share a story with you about Private First Class Ross A. McGinnis. And he was in Iraq, and it happened in 2006. And uh, I, I got to reading about him, and I began to think about this young man and what he did for someone else. And, and it's an amazing story. And a, uh, read in the scriptures, it says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. And the Bible says in John 15, 13, he says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. <laughs> Private first class, uh, Ross McGinnis, he was from Knox, Pennsylvania, 136 uh, pounds on a six-foot frame. <laughs> he was in Iraq in December 4th of 2006. And, and when he was there, uh, what ha folks have said about him, he, they said as small as he really was, there was an inner strength that he had that other men drew upon. And they would watch him, and, and, and they appreciated him. But McGinnis sacrificed himself in an act of bravery. And he was in the hatch of a, of a, a, uh, uh, of a, uh, uh, a piece of machinery, and in the hatch of that, that machinery, uh, in that 1st Battalion, in that 26th Infantry, He's inside there, inside the tank, and he's sitting inside the tank. And while he's going, someone took a grenade, opened it up, and threw it. And threw it inside the, almost the belly of the tank. And so you know there's other men inside that tank. And he took that grenade and he threw himself on top of it. And really what McGinnis could have done, he could have gotten out. But he knew there wasn't time to get out. And he threw himself upon the grenade, and it took his life. So he gave his life that his friends might live another day. 
And when you think about this for a moment, a 19-year-old boy decided to give his life that his sergeant might live. I don't know too many 19-year-olds would be willing to give their life for someone else. This young man decided to do this, and it blasts, it, it, it almost took uh, his body apart when it blasted. And yet, his design was to come to this earth by God to just give up his life so that some other people might live. Have you ever wondered why some youth might give up their life or why someone so young might die and all of that? And, and you think why, you know, he had his whole life ahead of him. He could have, uh, you know, done anything and gotten out of the way and left that grenade in there and could have saved his own life and let all those other people die. But why would a man do that? Why would he fall on a grenade and give his life? Here's what his sergeant, Cedric Thomas, he said, McGinnis yelled, grenade, it's in the truck. Thomas said, I looked out of the corner of my eyes as I was crouching down and I saw him in a pin down. McGinnis did so even though he could have escaped. He had time to jump out of the truck, Thomas said. He chose not to. He gave his life to save his crew and his platoon sergeant. He gave up his life. And you say, who does that? Well, there's a man named Jesus. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Who gave up his life. He took our stripes that we might be healed. He decided to die for us. And I think about how the Lord, our God, has done so much for us, teaching us that he's on our side. When you read this passage, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Look, if God's on your side, who can really be against us? Amen? And you think about this passage for a moment, and I, and I read, there's no better friend than Christ Jesus, no one who's lived or ever will live, done so much for us. And you think about the human race, and, you know, Adam was the one that plunged us into the sin. He's the one that pulled the pin on the grenade, wasn't he? And so you look at what happened, and so what did Jesus do for us? <laughs> when you go to 1 Corinthians and you read 15, 54, and 57, it says, death is swallowed up in victory, but thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen? You see, that day inside that truck, inside that vehicle, what happened was this man decided to give his life that others might live another day. And I just want you to have this thought in your mind as we go through the message. Jesus gave his life that we might live forever. Jesus gave his life that we might live forever. Now, as we think about this this morning, how much honor, how much praise do you give to Jesus Christ on a daily basis for the fact that he gave his life for you? How much honor and praise do you give him? Now, I, I read this article. By the way, I gave you a blip on a page compared to what they wrote up about this man who won the uh, Medal of Honor, uh, you know, after he had passed, they'd, they'd given it to him. Uh, I think in 2008, they gave this young man the, the Medal of Honor. And, and there's a huge write-up about him and all that he had done. And, and what I'm thinking about is they honored this young man for what he had done to give his life for someone else to live another day. What kind of honor and praise do we give to the Lord Jesus Christ? For he has given us eternal life, hasn't he? We live forever because of the sacrifice that he made. So I want you to think about this this morning, and when we think about praise and honor for the Lord, when we speak of what he's done for us, it truly is what he's done for me personally, and I 
I think about my personal salvation and I think about the fact that heaven is my home and I, I'm excited about that. And then I read this passage and, and he said, what shall we say to these things? You know, what, what are we going to say about this? If God be for us, who can be against us? You say, well, preacher, I know a lot of people that just don't like you, but that's okay. But who's really against me if God's for me? If God's for you, who can really be against you? If God's on your team, think about it, the creator of the heavens and the earth, Who's really against you? The one that gives you the breath of life. So I, I see some guarantees from my Heavenly Father. And one is, is that God for us. The second thing is, Christ was delivered for us. Christ was delivered for us. See, what we don't get in our mind is, that private first class McGinnis that day, he died and these men go on living another day. When Jesus died <laughs> and we trust in what he's done for us, we live for eternity. It's an amazing thought, isn't it? And so, when I look into the scriptures, I see Christ was delivered for us. So, what was he delivered for? Well, the death that I did deserve, he took away, didn't he? What I actually deserved, he took away from me. He took it out of the way so that I don't remain in the grave. I am born again. And so, what that means is whenever that time comes and that rapture occurs, uh, if I'm physically, my physical body's laying in the ground, my spirit is with the Lord, <laughs> And, and, and what it means to me is that I now have something for eternity. And the other thing is this. While I'm still on this earth, think about this for just a moment. That young man gave his life at a moment in time, and these other men may live. And I'm not downplaying what the young man did. But the fact is, is once it ended there, it ended for him, didn't it? You know, Jesus Christ is sitting on the right hand of the Father. And you know what it says now? <laughs> what else can Private McGinnis do for these men now? Nothing else. What is Jesus doing for us right now? He's making intercession for us. Amen? My Savior is still active, isn't he? He's in active duty. Private first class, that ended that day, didn't it? But my Christ is still on active duty, isn't he? Because he's sitting on the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. He makes intercession for us. I want you to think about these things this morning. It says in this passage, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, these are called rhetorical questions. God's not really looking for you to go, oh, wait a minute, I got an answer. <laughs> he's not looking for an answer. He's just helping you better understand this truth. Paul was not looking for an answer, but simply based on the evidence presented in verses 1 through 30, he said, does this even bear asking this question? Is it even worth asking this question now? If God be for us, who can be against us? And what he's saying is, as you go back and you read verses 1 through 30, and God is clearly telling us what he's done for us. Amen. And so if God be for us, who can be against us? Not a, so, a single solitary thing. And I thought about this. The creator of the universe of all mankind is for us. He's not working against you but he's provoking you to walk in the ways of him and to lean on him. I, I, I think about the creator of the universe is for me. The one who made everything around me is for me. The one who gave my wife her children and, and, and gave them to us, that's the one that's on my side. And, and I, I hear people say all the time, I know God's on my side, I just hope I'm on his. And I'm telling you, if God be for us, who can be against us? <laughs> 
We ought to be walking with him because of what he's already accomplished for us. When I think about this, I see this in Romans 8.31, and I got to thinking about them going into Canaan. And here's what it says in Numbers 14, 8 through 10. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone with uh, them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. Here's what happens in that passage. They're going into the land of Canaan, and, and they're saying basically, listen, if God is for us, who can be against us now? God's on our team. He's given us this land. I want you to know there is a land he has given unto us, and it's a heavenly land. And what it is is that it's there for our taking now. And listen, there's going to be those that are going to be rebelling against the Lord. And I'm telling you, that land is not yours if you're going to rebel against God and not receive Jesus Christ as Savior. It's not for you to have. But it is yours to have if you're willing to obey the Lord and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's yours. And I look at this, and, and avoid fearing what man can do. He said in Psalm 118, 5 and 6, I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. I think even Christians are so afraid of what others might think of us because of how we believe in Jesus Christ that we cease to even give testimony to him hardly anymore because we fear what man may think of us. We fear what others may think about us. And yet, if God be for us, then who can be against us? And the truth is, is even Christians kind of hide or mask their Christianity because they're fearful of what others might think about them. And what we ought to do is we ought to have a boldness about ourselves and be willing to tell other people that we are a Christian. And not only that, but then our life and our lifestyle ought to depict that. Would you agree? And here's what happens is we don't want to testify because if I do testify, my life really doesn't add up to living a Christian life anymore. And so therefore, my testimony is not strong enough to really testify of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, if God be for us, who can be against us? Right. We ought to just take a stand, amen, and walk with God. We ought to go ahead and just do it. When you consider this thought for a moment, is there anything too hard for God? Have you ever thought about that? Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything God cannot accomplish? Absolutely not. So if you have a saved or an unsaved relative and you're praying for them to get saved, is that too hard for God? Is that too hard for God? You know what? I think we ought to just drop to our knees and say, God, listen, I'm placing this person, this individual in your hands, Lord. And we ought to pray to God that God would do it. Listen, he said, ask and it shall be open. Seek and you shall find. Knock, it shall be open unto you. Ask, and, and God gives those things. Listen, God desires to see people saved. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and what? It shall be opened unto you. God promised that in his scriptures. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. And listen, if we want to see Minster get saved, start praying for Minster. All these things that we're reading in the newspaper, listen, we can romanticize that stuff and have feelings toward it and all those wonderful things, but listen, those are doors of opportunity that God can use for us to witness to people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every one of them. I love uh, in the office, uh, Vicki 
is uh, giving me cards all the time. People are passing away all the time. Every week she gives me a stack of cards to sign. And I send out my card and, 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 and I share with them. I'm praying for them. I mean, folks, people are dying every day around here. <laughs> and what is it that we're going to do about it? And you say, why is it our responsibility? Because that's why Calvary Chapel Baptist Church was planted here in 1972, amen? That's why it came about. That's because God wants a testimony for himself in this area. And people need Christ. When I thought about this, when you consider this for a moment, is there anything too hard for God? Why do we not bring everything before his altar? <laughs> is there anything too hard for God? You know, is, it, can God not overcome cancer? I believe he can. Amen. Amen. Can, can God overcome heart disease or can God overcome physical ailments? Sure he can. Can God meet my physical needs? Can he meet my financial needs? Sure he can. Can God meet my spiritual needs? Absolutely he can. Is there anything too hard for God? And if God is for us, who can be against us? And you say, well, preacher, I prayed for somebody and they had cancer and they still died. Hey, sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And sometimes God gives us a permanent healing, amen? He just takes us home because it's too much to bear. And so he brings you home permanently sometimes. And the truth of the matter is, is there anything too hard for God? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. When I look at this, God is for us. Man is often looking out for himself. I think about private first class McGinnis is a rare man. And the scriptures testify to that truth, do they not? I mean, listen, I read this verse to you. Let me, let me read these verses to you again. Uh, I put them back here. But let me, let me read this to you again because I just want you to get a hold of this. Here's what God said. Now, God said this in his Bible. He said this in the scriptures. He said this in Romans chapter 5 and in verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. And yet God died for sinners, didn't he? And for scarcely would a, would, a, would a man die for a righteous man, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. It doesn't matter how good they are, they would not be willing to give their life. Private first class, McGinnis did that. I don't know whether the other men in that truck were good or bad. I know he died for them. But the fact is, is that Jesus died for all, didn't he? Amen. And when you consider this for a moment, greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid out his life for his... Friends. And Jesus has called us friends. So if he laid down his life, how much greater is he offering to us as a friend to him now? As a friend to Christ, as an heir to, in, in this thing. Uh, the, here's the Jesus Christ himself. We have an inheritance now that he's given unto this. So who is this God that's on our side? The guarantee is made to the one who has trusted his son as Savior that he provides for our every need. How many of you know this verse? But my God shall supply all your need, all your need, all your need according to his riches and glory. It does not say that he'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He'll supply all your need. And what we really need is some spiritual growth. What we really need is Jesus Christ. What we really need it's time in prayer with him. What we really need are some things from the word of God to enrich our lives spiritually. That's what we really need. And I thought about 
He'll supply all your need according to his riches and glory, but he does it by somebody. Do you know what his name is? Jesus Christ. He does it by Christ Jesus. That's how he supplies your need according to his riches and glory. I looked in the scriptures and it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power, according to the power that worketh in us. Amen? According to the power that worketh in us. What's in us? God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? The Holy Spirit resides in us. And he's able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He supplies all our need according to his what? Riches and glory. By Christ Jesus, he gives us the power through who? Jesus Christ. When I look in the scriptures in Psalm 125 too, as the mountains are around about Jerusalem, so the Lord is around about his people from henceforth even forever. It tells me this, God's not only in me, he's around me. He protects everything about me. And what I have, if God be for us, who can be against us, folks? He's not only in me, he's around me. He's protecting me spiritually through his word, and he's feeding my soul, but he's also around me. I want to challenge every one of you, when you get in your car, you ought to pray, because you don't know whether that brake pedal's really going to work or not when you need it. Amen? Amen? You don't know. And we jump in those things, and we fire those things up, and we accelerate down the highway, and we think every time I go to put my foot on that other pedal, it's always going to work. We have more faith in that brake pedal than we do the Father in heaven. I've seen some of you drive. I've ridden with some of you too, amen? <laughs> and the thing of it is, is that think about how we place our faith in the wrong things. He said in Proverbs 30 and verse 5, every word of God is pure. <laughs> amen? Every word of God is pure. When you think about something that's pure, it's good, isn't it? When you think about something that's pure, it's good. I, I, I'll tell you, I, I do have to tell you folks, I mean, one of the things I do miss about uh, being in Virginia and that property that I was on down there, when I would get a glass of water out of my well, I'm going to tell you, that was some good water. That was some clean water. I mean, when I'd take a drink of that, man, on a hot day, man, I'd be thirsty. All I wanted was water. <laughs> my well out here isn't that good. <laughs> I know we filter just about everything we got, and then we have a filter outside, and we got a filter inside, and then my wife has a Brita filter in the refrigerator, so we filter it a third time, hoping I get all the impurities out of the water. But I'm just telling you, there's something about things that are pure, isn't it? When it's pure, hey, hey, ladies, when your husband uh, gave you a wedding band, if he said, now listen, this is only 4% gold, but it's really good, <laughs> hey, Amen. But boy, if he said, listen, this is 100% pure gold, 14 karat gold or 16 karat gold or whatever is the, what's the, whatever is the highest rating, it, you know, hey, listen, you'd say, man, huh? You go read about Solomon and the building of the temple. How many of you have ever read that in there, in the scriptures? You read about the building of that temple, man. I can't imagine what that place looked like, amen? And you see things being overlaid with gold, and I think in his days when it was overlaid with gold, it was overlaid with gold, Amen. It wasn't faux gold, amen? It wasn't halfway gold. It was gold. It was pure, wasn't it? And I want you to think about things that are pure. Now, wait a minute. Every word of God is pure. pure. That's protection, isn't it? You can trust that, can't you? You can trust that, can't you? You can open it up, and you can count on it, and if God be for us, who can be against us? He not only said every word of God is pure, he's a shield unto them that put their trust in him. 
Woo. Hey, man, what armor we have to put on every day. Hey, man. Every word of God is pure. And he's our shield. He's going to protect us. Hey, listen, not only does he protect us spiritually, inwardly, in our minds and in our thoughts, but listen, he has his protection around us as well. It's God before us, folks, who can be against us. So if every word of God is pure, and God said he is for us, if every word of God is pure, and God is for us, he must be telling us the truth, amen? That's a pure language, isn't it? God is for us. And when I look at this, if he's for us, then he cannot fail. He cannot fail. His word will not fail. When I look at this, be willing to bring praise and honor to his name. Why? Because God is for us. You know, the second thing is this. Look at verse 32 with me, if you will. He said, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us. And how many did he deliver up for us? He said he delivered up for us all, didn't he? Not a portion, but all. He delivered for, all, for us all. Now watch this. He said, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Ooh. <laughs> you know, I read scripture sometimes and I think to myself, man, what a blessing. Amen. I mean, just read that passage again. He delivered him up for us. And the one that spared not his own son, if he was willing to do that for us, what makes you think he won't give us freely? How many things? All things. And you say, well, I got my list. I haven't gotten them all yet. (laughs) Oh, I think he wants to give us spiritual things. How about you? I think he wants to give us stuff we can't even comprehend. I mean, how many of you can wrap your head around heaven? Amen. And you think about what God has delivered up for us. God was willing to sacrifice his only begotten son. And you know why he did that? To close the gap between him and man. Why did he spare, not spare his son? He had to close the gap, didn't he? There was a huge gap between us and the Lord. A huge gap. There was no way we were going to ever make ourselves right with God. And God sent his only begotten son so that he could close the gap. And I began to think about this. How could he have uh, spared him but did not and uh, when, he, when he could have uh, uh, not spared him, he chose to spare him and to make him a sacrifice for us. He could have said, I'm not going to do that, but that's not what he did. He delivered him up for us. He delivered him up for us. When you consider this, I, I thought about how we now have access to eternal life through Jesus Christ. And by the way, everything we do, whether we're praying or we're giving uh, or we're singing uh, or, or we're coming to church, we're doing it by the name of Jesus. Amen. That's why we're doing what we're doing. When you, when you think about your prayers, the reason we end our prayers in Jesus' name, and there's a lot of people that get aggravated by that, is because they don't believe that Jesus filled the gap. <laughs> but he did, didn't he? And he was delivered up for us. He could have spared him, but did not, and sacrificed him so that we now have access to God and to eternal life. In Romans 5, 6, and 10, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, For if when we were uh, enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And this is what I'm sharing with you. 
Private First Class McGinnis died. That was the end of his life that day. Now, if he was saved, he'll be in heaven and praise the Lord. And there's some people that are going to go on and live another day. But are they going to live for eternity? Absolutely not, unless they trust Jesus Christ as Savior. And what Christ did for us on the cross at Calvary is he gave us that eternal life. And think about this in Romans 4.25, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. You know, if we were... Uh, if when we were sinners, God gave us his best, and I got to thinking about this, now that we're God's children through salvation, will he not give me all that I need now? <laughs> he gave me his best so that I could get saved. Would he not give me the rest for what I need to live this life? I think he does. I think he gives me everything I need to live this life. Now, when I say that, uh, this is an argument that Christ used to convince the people that are foolish and they, and they worry and fear. I want you to turn to Matthew with me, if you will, chapter 6. Turn in Matthew, if you will, chapter 6. I used this in my Sunday school class this morning, but I want to share this with you this morning. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 25. He said, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, taking uh, thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Now I'm going to stop right there, because here's what I want to share with you. I was speaking to our uh, group about prayer, and this is what I believe. Here, Christ has been delivered up for us. And in this passage, God's telling me the things that we worry about the most, we need to worry about the least. The things that we come to him in prayer for so often, we don't need to pray about those things in that sense. He's saying, why are you so concerned about these things when I would be willing to do these things for you? And really, by the time you get to the end of this chapter and you get to verse 33, he tells us to seek something, doesn't he? But seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen. But look at all the anxiety that enters into our lives for clothes and cars and houses and money and 401k plans and, and, and everything else. And all of that stuff's going to come to naught, isn't it? But we worry more about those things than we do about the spiritual things that we really need to be concerned about. You say, well, preacher, we need to live. I understand we need to live. But listen, what one of you have worried so much about something that it really helped you out? I've worried about this to no end. I used to have a family member. I'm not going to mention their names. They would say, you have no idea how much I've worried about this. And I would say, why? What does worry do for us? Hey, listen, Christ has been delivered up for us. Amen. Amen? Amen? If God be for us, who can be against us? Why are you so worried about things like that? And, and we worry about things we cannot change. How many of you have done something the day before, and the next day you're worrying about what you did yesterday? What can you change about yesterday? You either fix it today or forget it. Amen? 
And the reality is, as we spend so much time on yesterday, we can't think about the day in which we live. And he tells us in this passage, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. God said, Why are you thinking about tomorrow? You only have right now. How many of you understand that? Amen. We don't have tomorrow. It's not even here yet. How many of you put your head on a pillow and you've not gone to sleep because you're thinking about tomorrow? Tomorrow may never come. And we spend and invest so much time and energy in that. We ought to have some confidence. We ought to be secure. You know why? Christ was delivered up for us. We have heaven as our home. We ought to be able to go and talk to our friend named Jesus Christ. Amen? Take away some of those anxieties that we have in our lives. And yet, why worry about those things? Listen, if the Lord cares for the bears, uh, yeah, he does. He cares for the bears, too, I think. <laughs> and not the Chicago bears. I don't think so. But if he does care for the birds and the lilies of the field, are you with me? How much more does he care about us? I mean, they do nothing for those things. And when I, when I look to the scriptures, he cares for you. And remember that the Lord is dealing with his own on the basis of Calvary and grace, not on the basis of law anymore. And so many of us think that way. Well, if I do this, and I do this, and I do this, man, I'm gaining some merit with God. <laughs> do you understand it was grace and Calvary that came down? It's the grace of God that does that for us. It, it, it's no longer the law, it's the grace of God, amen? And, and what, is, what I'm trying to tell you is God's for you, and you're a saved individual, and God is for us. Who can be against us? Listen, Christ has been delivered up already for us, amen? My salvation is not in question. I'll tell you what bothers us most of the time is what we're actually doing with the salvation he has given unto us. And we struggle with that more and, and we feel guilty because we think we should or we should have done or we should be doing or we think we ought to. Hey, listen, just start serving him. He's already been delivered up for you. Amen. Just start serving him. Start doing because he is your savior. Therefore, the deliverance of man is based on the grace of Jesus Christ. God freely gives us all things. You know, when I think about that, what is it that he gives me? He gives me access to God. What's God able to do? Ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it what? Shall be opened unto you. Have faith in God. Pray believing. Nothing doubting. Right? Pray that, that this, this mountain be removed and it shall be removed. I mean, think about what the scriptures teach us. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that he hear whatever we ask because we have the petitions that we desired of him. What kind of a God do we serve? The one who's been delivered up for us. <laughs> Amen? Sitting on the right hand of the Father. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4, or 2 Peter, I'm sorry, 1, 3 through 4, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. His divine power hath given unto us all things. His divine power hath given to us all things. Now think about this. This is in the scriptures. This is Peter writing this. He's writing to the church. He's writing to the saved. And he's saying, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain 
looking unto life and godliness. Not just this life, but everything that pertains to eternal life and godliness. He's given it to us. He's given it to you and to me. <laughs> All things that pertain to that. He goes on in that passage and he says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. When you think about that, uh, you know, when I was a kid, and I'm not being mean, my daddy was a busy man. I had five brothers and four sisters in my house. And I'm not putting my daddy down, but I can remember five times my daddy played with me. Five times. I remember specifically where we went and what we did when I was growing up. I was only in my home until I was 17 years old, but I remember every time my daddy played with me. And I think about this. My daddy would promise things and couldn't keep them because he had so many kids to take care of. And it was hard for him. And I, and I look and I see a heavenly father who has these precious promises that he will not break. Sometimes daddies have to break promises, don't they? It's okay to say amen. Well, I'm not being mean. I'm just being truthful, amen. And sometimes, Brother Mike, those promises have to be broken. Commitments enter into our lives and they pull us away and they draw us away and they take us away. And sometimes they hurt and they're painful and then time has gone on. How many are with me this morning? Time has gone on and it's gone now. And I'm not looking at the little one. I'm looking at the grown one. And time flies by, doesn't it, folks? And sometimes those promises were broken. And I want to share this with you, that my Heavenly Father said this to me, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. By these, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God's given us something. He's told us, hey, listen, I'm making some very precious promises to you. You don't have to live for this present world. <laughs> you don't have to live for the corruption of this world. <laughs> There's so much more to this life, folks, than living for what the moment is. God provides us with all we need through salvation in Christ, and we have access to God. And all that is His, all that pertains unto life and godliness, is freely given unto you and me. How many of you know James 1, 16 and 17? <laughs> he, he mentions this. He says, do not err, my beloved brother, and every good gift and every perfect gift has come from where? Comes from above, doesn't it? <laughs> you think about this. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. <laughs> you know, you think about that for just a moment. Where do those precious promises come from? From the one who gives only good gifts. Amen? Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from where? From above. Amen? Hey, listen, let me tell you what. Jesus Christ is a good and perfect gift. Amen? Amen? And it tells us in the scriptures, for the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. But the gift of God is eternal life, but it's through who? Jesus Christ, isn't it? Amen. What a precious promise. Amen? And he's kept his promise. God delivered us from death and hell through Christ and provides all things to us to overcome and live in this present world. And I thought about, you know, Christ will deliver the lost unto salvation and will deliver us from an eternal hell. And he provides us with all that we need to live in this present world. Listen, folks. If you are saved, you have what you need to live this life. 
I've told my boys over and over again, Sullivan, and you can talk to my sons. I said, you know, what you do for a living is as important to me as how you live your life. What you do for a living isn't as important to me as how you live your life. I mean, if, if God provides you wealth, praise God. If, if God decides that, that, that uh, he has a uh, more uh, menial task for you to do, so what? Live for Christ. See, what you do for a living, and this is what happens to us as men, and listen, we propagate this, even maybe fellows in this room, we propagate this sometimes. We're so busy telling our kids how successful they need to be and things they need to do so that they can be successful. And the most successful thing you can do for your kids is to teach them about Jesus Christ. The best thing you can do is raise your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Listen, God just told us in previous passages, why are you worried about the food and the raiment and the clothes and the house and all this stuff? You know, why are you worried about all that stuff? And we're going to church and we're telling our children, listen, you just need to pray. But listen, you need to do this, 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 you need to do this. And we push and push and push. We're not really thinking ourselves. How about let's say, hey, son, listen, let's go pray and ask God what he would have you to do. Anybody with me now? Yeah. What would God have you to do? We're so busy going and telling God what we're going to do, we forget to ask him what we're supposed to do. And then we push that off onto our kids. And then we say, well, I don't know why my kids are doing what they're doing. And the thing of it is, is that I want my boys to know Jesus Christ. <laughs> I want my daughters to know Jesus Christ. I want them to turn to him. Listen, there is no way daddy's going to fix everything, amen? But there's been one delivered up for us that's making intercession for us. Amen? He's sitting on the right hand of the Father. This is more than we need to give honor and praise to him. We know that the Spirit intercedes in prayer. We just preach that message. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ intercedes for us. He's doing this for us. Listen, the Bible clearly says, and you look at verse 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is uh, even at the right hand of God, who also, also maketh what? Intercession for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Christ has been delivered up for us. Oh, and he goes beyond that. He makes intercession for us, doesn't he? When you look to the scriptures and you see what he does for us, man, I'm going to tell you right now, I hate the devil. I hate that old accuser, amen? amen, amen, amen. And he's always looking to, to infest some place of our lives, you know? And, and I'll tell you, uh, we had a problem one time uh, down in Colonial Beach, and, and it was a very moist area, but we'd get these little ants all the time. How many of you enjoy ants? You say, man, those are just great to have around. I hate ants. <laughs> I don't know their purpose other than to feed maybe the birds or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, you know, I went in and I saw and I said, man, look at all these ants. And then I started following the trail. I said, man, look at all these ants. And then you start following the trail and you go outside and you say, man, look at all, oh, my goodness, look at all these ants. <laughs> it's an infestation, isn't it? You see, on the inside of the house, I only saw a few of the ants coming up on the counter. Anybody with me? But you follow their trail, you go back to where they started, man, they're having a big old party out there. 
Amen? Sometimes we don't see what Satan's doing. He's having a big old party out there, and you're only seeing a little bit of it in here. Boy, he's just trying to drag you in. Yeah. Let me challenge you in this thought. The accuser, Romans 8, 33 and 34. Who shall then lay anything to the charge of God's elect to call in a debt or to bring to account to accuse or to call into question or to charge us with anything? <laughs> Who's going to be able to do that? You know, Satan's there not on our behalf, but he's against us. Amen? And sometimes you see maybe this little thing you have on the counter, it doesn't mean a whole lot, but that little candy on the counter, it starts to draw those ants in, doesn't it? <laughs> And then the exterminator comes. <laughs> right? Let me tell you who the exterminator is. It's the Word of God. And if you want to get cleaned up, and if you want to get rid of the problems, start filtering your life through this. Amen? You start filtering your life through this, and things will start changing for you. You start looking to Him, and He'll clean up the mess. Not only will He'll take what you can see out of the way, He'll even remove that which you cannot see out of the way. <laughs> And the infestation that's about to enter into your life, he can remove it completely and it can't enter in. And what I'm sharing with you is, God was willing to sacrifice his only begotten son. The accuser is there to take us down. That old accuser, the devil, has no hold on you and me. He's incapable of bringing the charge or the penalty of death to those that belong to the Savior. So what his job is today, he wants to get God's elect off track, doesn't he? He wants us getting in different directions. He wants us being pulled everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And he wants to get us off track. The elect are those who are chosen by salvation in Christ to be conformed to the image of Christ. Not an election to be saved, but the saved are chosen and elected to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's all that means. Amen. It's not hard. It's not difficult. God said when, when, when you get saved, he's elected. We're his elected now. We are chosen to be conformed to the image of God. We're predestined to be more conformed to the image of Christ. Those are those big words that are used in the scriptures that are, uh, that are, that are really just uh, abused in our society today. But the fact is, is all God desired was not only to save our soul, but to cause us to be more conformed to the image of his son. God didn't come down and say only a handful or a few can get saved. And any religion that's teaching you that, that's a bunch of hogwash. It's not even in the scriptures. And what God teaches us is, is that we're to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, God will certainly not accuse us. Only Satan, the accuser, will try. But God's going to take us not to court, but to see the shed blood of his son. And when we stand in that courtroom now, he doesn't see us. He sees his son. Now, Satan's there to accuse you. He's there to take you down. And listen, he wants to take you to court over this matter. But listen, salvation in Christ Jesus has covered that sin. Amen? He's covered it up. Now I want to challenge you with this thought, and I'm finished. Hang in there with me. When God declares the believing sinner righteous in Christ, that declaration never changes. When he declares us to be righteous in Christ, that never changes. Now, let me share this with you. A Christian... Uh, experience, you know, it changes from day to day. Stuff happens to us and things happen. And we change from day to day. But our justification in Christ never changes. Amen? Amen? And things happen to us from day to day. And, and, and what Satan wants to do is sometimes he wants to even convince you that you're not saved. <laughs> now, only you know, uh, and, and Christ himself knows whether you know Jesus Christ as Savior. Amen? 
And, and men may accuse us, and Satan may accuse us, and we may even accuse ourselves at times. But Jesus paid the penalty, and believe me, we are secure in Jesus Christ if you know Christ as Savior. Now I want to talk to you about this. Men try to accuse us sometimes. I want to show you in the Scriptures in Isaiah 50 and verse 8 and 9. He is near that justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Lo, they, are all, they all shall wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. Hey, listen, in the book of Isaiah, he's saying, listen, there's going to be men that are going to accuse you, and there are. There's going to be men that accuse you in your life, and they are. And they're going to come after you, and they're going to make you think things that you ought not be thinking. They're going to talk to you about the fact that you say that you're saved and that you're not. And he says, who can really condemn us? Now listen, Satan's in that same business. In Romans, or Revelation 12.10, now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. There's coming a day, and I want you to know the Bible calls Satan the accuser. The accuser. He's accusing us day and night before our God. Let's not give him reason to go before our God and accuse us. Are you with me? Let's not let him have anything to go before our God to accuse us of. But listen, day and night, he's standing before God to try to accuse us. He wants to take you down. <laughs> he wants to take your household down. And listen, Christian, he does not want you serving God in any capacity. He wants you to walk away from God. And listen, you say, well, I'm just going to sit at home and be satisfied with my salvation. I'm telling you, that is exactly where Satan wants you to be. He does not want you reaching out to other people. He does not want you reaching souls for Christ. And he stands before God day and night being the accuser. You know, the other thing is, is we want to accuse ourselves sometimes, don't we? Even as saved people, we get to that place where we accuse ourselves. And I tell you, folks, don't do that. It's wrong. In 1 John 3, 20 and 21, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our what? Sometimes we go back in the past and we keep accusing ourselves of things in the past and maybe even God has come to you and you've sought forgiveness and then you just keep bringing it up. And God wants to get rid of that mess in your life and he wants to forgive you for it, but you just want to keep on holding on to it. And the Bible teaches us that men want to accuse, Satan wants to accuse, and we even get to the place where we accuse ourselves. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, now notice this, then have we confidence toward God. If we're busy condemning ourselves, you don't have confidence in God. You do not have confidence in God if you continue to accuse yourself because there's one been delivered up for us. <laughs> Amen? And it says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to do what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from that unrighteousness, isn't he? And we get so busy taking in what men may say being attacked maybe by Satan on the peripherals, <laughs> and then even doing it to ourselves. But we have a Christ that intercedes on our behalf. The righteous one, the judge. Romans 8, 34, who 
is he that condemneth it is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God. In Mark 16, 19, he's received up into heaven and set on the right hand of God. In Hebrews 1, 3 and 8, 1, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. We have somebody on our behalf. Your past is not where you're to live. We just read. You, you can't live in the past. You can only live in this present moment. And here it is. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is for us, who can be against us? No man, no nothing can take hold of us the way God can. And he's for us. He's not against us. And then I look to the scriptures, and he clearly tells me that as a saved person, Jesus Christ has been delivered up for me. And he sits on the right hand of the majesty on high, and he intercedes for me. Now think about this. Our advocate, the lawyer, also maketh intercession for us. He said in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. It has nothing to do with your salvation. It has to do with what you, it, it, whether you're saved and going to heaven. It has everything to do with what you've done with your salvation since you received it. What have you done with it? And has it been useful for God? Or are you lying the accusers of men and Satan to accuse you and you to accuse yourself and just become useless for God? Or are you allowing yourself to be used of God? Our advocate, the lawyer, who also maketh intercession for us, Hebrews 7.25 and 9.24, he said, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto him by God, seeing he ever liveth to make his intercession for them. <laughs> for Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but is in, in, into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God. And I want you to hear these two words. Now he's entered into the presence of God for us. So where's that? If you're here this morning, you say, say amen. amen. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. <laughs> There's somebody there for us. So the sin that enters into our lives, <laughs> he's there to make intercession for us. He's there on our behalf. When I look to the scriptures and I see this, Jesus Christ is there, he's in heaven, he's pleading our case before the Father, and he's doing it based on the shed blood of his son. Private first class McGinnis died that others may see another day. Jesus Christ died that we may see eternity. Let's pray.